You may or may not know this, but uh, my family and I briefly lived in Beaumont, Texas a few years ago before we came here. And uh, I don't know if you've been to Beaumont, but uh, it's very humid, very muggy, 50% chance of rain at all times. Um, and uh, when we lived there in 2017, we actually were there during Hurricane Harvey, which caused a lot of flooding in the area. It hung right over the town. It was very bad. And um, so there was a headline I read, as if it wasn't bad enough for, for the poor folks in Beaumont. I read a headline shortly thereafter that said, uh, at least 50 alligators from Beaumont's gator country escaped when the floodwaters rose up high enough for them to get out. Uh, and I, t <laughs> I tell you this uh, weird but true Sharknado scenario to set the scene. Okay, I'm not exaggerating when I say that Beaumont is uh, kind of a swamp. We lived in a swamp. And so one morning we were living there, one winter morning, it was very cold. And I looked outside and something didn't look right. And so I went outside and blinked into the sunlight. And I really, I'd just woken up so it didn't compute still. I was like, what is it? It was snow. A lot of snow. And so what else could we do? We woke up the kids, bundled them up, brought them outside, and built a snowman. And uh, it was a great memory. We had a great time. Uh, and it, and it, it'll stick with me forever, but I think it'll really stick with the kids forever. They still talk about it. You know, and uh, sometimes when it's very cold and very dry here in the hill country, the kids even complain. They use this old story to complain and throw shade at the hill country. They're like, why doesn't it snow here like in Beaumont? <laughs> like, you guys, I promise you it's way more likely to snow here than in Beaumont. It was just this weird, weird day. And that poor little snowman wasn't long for this world, but, but it, really, it really stuck with us. So today's scripture reading contains one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Okay, the Israelites have just been rescued out of Pharaoh's hand. They've just been brought through the Red Sea miraculously. And as you heard Genevieve read, they start to grumble because they're hungry. There's a term for that now. It's called hangry, right? I, I get like that sometimes where I'm really irritable and it's not like I'm really mad. I'm just really hungry and having a snack would help. So the Israelites are grumbling and complaining. And so they start to remember what it was like in Egypt, but they, they tell this weird story. They're like, remember in Egypt when we used to sit around pots of meat and eat whatever we wanted? <laughs> and just flip back 12 pages. That's, we know that's not what it was like. There was terrible hardship in Egypt. They probably had enough to eat, but only so that they could be put to work as slaves. But this is how they remember it in their, in their hunger and in their frustration. We just sat around pots of meat we wish we could go, we wish we could just go back. They just want to go back. And it reminds me of something that I hear over and over again from others and that I think to myself is this year in this weird time, we just want to go back to normal. I just want to go back to how things were. 
Wasn't it great? We weren't in the wilderness. We weren't scared. We knew what was what. We, we were comfortable. At least we were safe. I just want to go back to normal. So I'm going to raise the, the curtain here a little bit. Um, I originally titled this sermon, Back to Normal. And a few days ago, uh, Angelina asked me, she said, can, can we change it to back to the normal? Because I have a great back to the future font that I want to use, that I want to use for the sermon slide. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. It's, a, it's not a big deal to me. But by then I had already had sermon brain. Okay. Where like every bush is a, a burning bush and everything can be a sermon illustration. So I started thinking about uh, back to the future which I haven't seen in forever and I've forgotten most of, but uh, the basics, the basics of this time travel story, right? This main character in 1985 goes back 30 years. He goes back to 1955 and he's, and he's got to meet the doctor and he's got to save people and whatever. But it's just a wonderful excuse to set a movie in 1955, right? What, what a wonderful setting, the, cost, the costume designer's dream, okay? The music, the cars are cool, the people are cool, everything they're wearing is awesome, and it's just this look back to when things were kind of simpler and when things were just great, and wasn't it just so nice? And it's a wonderful opportunity to just set something. That's why you do, that's why you do that time travel story. Another time travel story I love is called uh, 112263 by Stephen King. And uh, it's, it's kind of a similar premise. So someone from the modern day goes back to the late 50s. He travels back in time. And his task is to stop the Kennedy assassination. But again, it's all really just a uh, pretext for this wonderful setting that he gets to do. He gets to take this guy back to the 50s, and he buys this sweet car for what seems like chump change. Okay, he goes and he gets, he gets a burger, and the food is real, and it's not full of preservatives, and it's greasy, and it's awesome. The malt is creamy and delicious. He goes to the drugstore where they have a soda fountain, and he gets a float. And it's just great. And by this point, he's had, a lot, he's had a lot to drink, this main character, and so he has to go relieve himself. So he goes back behind the drugstore, and there's a restroom, and uh, there's one arrow that's labeled whites, and there's another arrow that's labeled colored. And uh, he goes to the restroom, the public restroom, that's the white restroom, and he looks to the other sign, and it's just an arrow that's pointing to a little bridge across a dirty stream. You know, when we, when we look back, sometimes we misremember. Sometimes we misremember and we diminish our own hardships or we look back at a time that's so wonderful and it's so great and we just sat around pots of meat and we misremember how hard it was for others, how easy it was to overlook others. And compared to all the good memories that we can drum up of how things used to be, it does feel like we're in the wilderness now. But let's continue the story. Look at what God can do in the wilderness. So we have our Israelites 
they're hangry. They come out of their tents and they blink into the light and they see, what's that? What's that covering the desert? It's bread. It's the last thing you would ever imagine except maybe snow in Beaumont, okay? There's bread all over the desert. But stepping out into the wilderness with God, the Israelites have now been able to look beyond what's just possible. Lisa brought up a wonderful verse from Isaiah. Uh, This also makes me think of Isaiah 35. Look at what God thinks is possible. It says, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. When my kids think of Beaumont, I can't even believe it, but they do. They think of building a snowman. Can these dry bones rise? Can there be snow in Beaumont? Can there be flowers in the desert? Can there be bread in the wilderness? How can we look beyond what's possible? We only suffer from a lack of imagination. God's ideas seem too good to be true. A land flowing with milk and honey, flowers in the desert? No, we think these things are impossible. Let's just, the best we can do is hope for the way things were before. I think as a church, we should reject that. We should reject thinking too small. Look at what God has brought us through. Look at what God has saved us from. Look at how we were set free. Look at how we were brought through the Red Sea. And if we really must look back, then let's, let's look back at the cross. Let's look at this symbol that was a symbol of the might of the empire crushing anyone who got in its way. And now it's a worldwide endless symbol of hope. God's imagination is not what's lacking. He's not having a failure of imagination now. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things that I really do want to experience again um, it, that, that were commonplace before the pandemic and I took for granted. Um, hugging? Okay, so someone, hu- someone hugged me the other day and I like didn't know what to do and I realized it was because I haven't hugged anyone but my family for six months. Um, I miss seeing someone's whole face. I miss seeing your smiles. I miss gatherings at church, and I, I deeply long to do those things again. I'm excited to do those things again. But I don't want to return to normal. Because along with all of those things, um, I, I don't want to go back to my complacency. 
I don't want to go back to, to the comfort. I don't want to go back to the routine. Before my eyes were open and I saw how people have been struggling all along. You know, back before the pandemic, back when things were great and perfect and we sat around pots of meat, people in our very community struggled. People in our very community to this day, as George reminds us time and time again, are food insecure, are housing insecure. They're one paycheck away from being homeless. Some people in this community are homeless. I know our teachers are struggling. I know our students are at risk of dropping out. There's all of this pain and all of this need in our community. But do I believe that God can make flowers bloom in the desert? Do I believe I might go outside and see manna on the ground? Do we believe that being in the wilderness with God is better than being in Egypt with Pharaoh? Do we believe in abundant life? And if we do, what is possible? What is possible for us as a church? What is possible in our community now? What is possible in this new beginning that we never could have dreamed of before? I want to show you this example. I've got a video queued up um, of this example of a church that saw what was possible. This is the story of Bridge Bread, a bakery out of Manchester, Missouri. Part of the attraction to the job for me was learning about baking. You know, I cook all the time. I enjoy cooking, but I didn't know a lot about baking. And uh, so that was part of the attraction for me, to learn about baking. So I had absolutely no knowledge coming in. And I started washing dishes. You know, just, that's how you learn. You start at the bottom, work your way up. So four years, it'll be four years this uh, November that I've been here. Over 100,000 loaves of bread baked. Uh, you know, we, we made a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, we found out what works, what doesn't work, what's good, what's not good. The chocolate cinnamon rolls is our, it's, it's, it's basically one of our big sellers right now. It's taking off and it's a high demand. The chocolate rolls is just, we gotta make those every week, every day, no matter what. And the sourdough is really taking off on on our new bake shop on Cherokee now, so. You know, I take a lot of pride in, you know, in our, in our bread. It's handmade, no preservatives, not mechanized, you know, that stuff doesn't have character. We are craftsmen here. We do it with these and a little salt and water and flour and make something really nice. And so I think that's the edge that we have over the mass-produced stuff. You know, it's just blah, you know. To me, I don't know, I'm a little biased, just a little bit. Initially, when I became homeless, I did not have a clue. You know, I was 58 years old, I'm 61 now. 58 years old, never thought I'd be homeless. Got divorced, and I'm homeless. Uh, I lost the house, I, was, I slept outside for about nine months, starting in February. It was a lot of scavenging around before I started Bridge Bread. I, I wasn't really, I didn't really have 
um, a home base, you know what I mean? And Bridgebury became a home base for me, you know? And the family at that. Homelessness can have any type of costume. Homelessness can look like you, you know what I mean? Homeless can dress like you, smell like you. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to know, you know what I mean? Not every homeless person is on the corner with a can in his hand asking for change, you know? Homeless can be an ex-doctor, an ex-lawyer, or a, a person who just got laid off at a, a, a warehouse and he has a family and they homeless now, you know? Homeless has no disguise. Of the money that we bring in from bread, from bread sales, about three quarters of that goes to compensation for the bakers, and about one quarter goes to purchase the ingredients that made the bread. We cast a vision at Lafayette Park that we are Christ's presence in the urban community, and we hold ourselves accountable to it. I mean, people want to be in mission, people want to be doing purposeful things. So how do I tell some pastor to do that? I, I think it's maybe um, give yourself a break. Don't make yourself have to be the one who knows it all because we'll never know it all and we were never intended to know it all. That's why we're supposed to be a Christian community. Sometimes they'd ask my opinion on what I thought about things and other times they'd just let me know what they were doing. And it was really great because there's no way I would have ever known everything you need to know to start like a bridge bread. I believe that there is an inherent conflict between the attitude of minimizing risk, preserving assets, and uh, the uh, risk avoidance uh, strategies that people employ in nonprofits and churches, and uh, entrepreneurs' desire to seize opportunity and to take risks intentionally. I think it's inherent. I know the stories of all the bakers, and I know how far they've come. And um, that's probably some of the richest gifts of being in ministry is to see the transformation that has happened in them and also the transformation that has happened in our church because our church is excited when hours go up and we get to hire another baker. Our church is excited when one of our bakers gets their home. Our church is excited when one of our bakers worships with us. I mean, it's just a blessing every which way around. I, I, I definitely have a, a first place, a first place spiritual level with God, you know, I have a, a front row seat with God, even though I'm not in church every Sunday, you know, just because how much I talk to him now, and I feel like that most problems are off my shoulder now, so it's easy, it's more easy for me to talk to God, other than feeling like I'm ashamed to talk to God because of the sins that I did in my past, you know what I mean? When I started Bridge Bread, I instantly got into GED school, and I would be done with GED school in January, and I'll be graduating from that, and I'll be starting um, Forest Park that coming season. Other people tried to lure me away, Panera Bread, you know, but uh, this is my home here, so I ain't going nowhere. I'll be here. So um, I was reading about Bridge Bread which is this company that was started out of Manchester UMC. And uh, I, I was reading up on it, and it's kind of cool. Not only did the church and members of the church help start this business, but uh, I read that in Manchester UMC, when they leave their worship service, when they leave the sanctuary, then just outside the doors every week they have bread for sale.
And so, again, they have this constant reminder of God's provision for them, but also an opportunity, a tangible way that they can, that they can um, give the good news to others, that they can offer what Christ has given them to others. In the Israelite camp, who could have ever imagined that they would blink out into the sunlight and see bread in the wilderness? That they look out and see quail? Who could have imagined that we could look out on our wilderness and see not only God providing for us, but to see an invitation to lift up others? When we leave our sanctuary on Sundays or when we leave our homes, may we have eyes to see. May we follow God into the wilderness beyond what's possible to see how he provides for us and how we can love our neighbors at the same time.